Well, welcome to another episode of Mission Driven You. This is a podcast for people who want to do good and do, to do well in the world. And today I'm excited to host Nancy Erickson. Nancy is a coach on how to write your book. She has the founder of the Stonebrook Publishing, which is has won a number of awards. And we're just really excited to have you here. I was interested in this conversation, Nancy, because a lot of the people that I talk to want to figure out what is a what's about a book and how do I write it and all that. So super excited to have you here. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much, Will. Excellent. So we always start with one question, which is tell us the story of somebody, whether it can be a person or it can be a group, somebody that when you look back on your journey, you can't imagine being here without them. Well, I have to say, I think it's my father because, okay, number one, he always wanted boys. And guess what he got? Girls. <laughs> but from my earliest childhood, I remember him saying to me, you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want. And later, as I got to be an, an adult, I my original career was actually in high tech. And he would tell me that don't let the the thing about you get being a woman get in your way of thinking that you can do anything you want. And so I've done a lot of anything that I want since then. <laughs> and I think that he planted that seed. I love that. And I didn't know that about your story. I'm the youngest oh. of six and the only boy. So I have oh, five really? older sisters. So kudos to your dad. And, and I'm sure all of the women thank, thank him for, for the world, like, and for the contribution you're making. So thank you for to him. You bet. Yeah. So you mentioned you had a career in sales. How do yeah. you go from technical oh. sales into book publishing? Let's just well, kind of give us the big I, picture story. You know what? Oddly enough, that traces back to my father too. So when I when I um, first joined the workforce, I was a systems engineer for IBM, and then later I worked for Oracle corporations in in high tech sales. And then about I guess it's been eighteen years ago, my father was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. And so I quit everything. We knew he would only live about seven months, which he did. And so I quit everything to go down to Florida where my folks lived to be with him during that transition. And also to help my mom out a little bit, not just during it, but after my dad had passed away, they'd been married 50 some odd years, you know? So, and when I came home, I was like, at first I was like, no, what am I going to do? And then it was like, I can do anything I want now. And I was in the position where I didn't have a lot of financial pressures anymore. My kids had both were both out of college. And so I really thought, you know, I've always liked to write. I really want to hone those skills. So I went back to school and I got a master's of fine arts in writing and specializing in nonfiction. And I think it's because I was old, you know, an old student. They actually asked me to join the faculty to teach writing. And I started the publishing house at that time, Stonework Publishing. So I really wanted to focus on nonfiction material that will either save lives, change lives, or transform society. And lo and behold, the first couple of books out the shoot were amazing, the first book we, we published was written by a Holocaust survivor who had gone to school with Anne Frank. And we ended up doing the book release at their school in Amsterdam. And I'm there, I'm like pinching myself, what am I doing in Amsterdam? You know, about a year after that, or maybe it wasn't a year, maybe it wasn't that long, but 
after that, uh, the second book we published, we got back cover endorsements for that book from Sir Paul McCartney and Cindy Crawford. And so here I was like, man, this is, I, I guess I know what I'm doing. You know, I don't know why I thought I could start a publishing house, but here we are. Right. There was a problem. And we were getting a lot of book manuscripts that had a seed of what we were looking for. Change lives, save lives, transform society. But the writers were such poor writers that we couldn't do anything with it. We couldn't really edit our way out of it. But I didn't mean I didn't still feel responsible for helping the people because I really think that, you know, we have a lot of problems in our world that nobody can figure out. But I think that the answers are trapped inside of people like you and your listeners. And that when you simply tell your story and what you've been through and what you've overcome, then you become the source of two things that I think you can't live without. And those two things are hope and help. And so these people still, they had a seed of that of offering hope and help. But I, I I just felt responsible that I couldn't help them in the state that things were. So I took a year and stepped back. I didn't publish anything during that year. And during that time, I wrote a step-by-step-by-step-by-step process that will take people from their original idea all the way through planning, writing, editing, publishing, and worldwide distribution of their professional book product. So that's how I ended up here. And we've helped a, an awful lot of people release incredible stories and they're changing the world by by offering up their story, but doing it in a way that is functional and, and acceptable to readers. Yeah. It's hard to write a book. I've written two and it, it was it, it was like giving blood. It's well, it's, it's like, a hard thing. You start, have you never done how do you anyway it's hard to know where to start. And it's like, you have all these competing thoughts in your head. You're like, oh, that has to be in my book. But then when you start to put it out, it's like a mess on the page, you know? And so it is hard and hats off to you, Will, for doing that a couple of times. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. Save lives, change lives or transform society. What's the impulse there? Like, tell us that there's a, there's a story there. I want to hear the story about that. Yeah. We have so many problems in our world, and I, I don't need to tell you or your listeners that, but it's almost that we don't even know how to name the problems are so complex. But like I said, I really believe that answers are trapped inside of people, and, and God uses all of us in all of our individual circumstances to create a better world for ourselves and for others. And so... I don't know. I just it just it's almost like a revelation to me that we can do this and by helping people to release their stories. So we actually work with a couple of different kinds of clients and I would say that they're either business clients who are writing business books and we do a lot of those because maybe that person has been through a lot of things as an entrepreneur and they want to help jumpstart somebody else. But we also have this other classification of writers that I call overcomers. And these are people who have been through something. They have achieved something. They have endured something. They have overcome something. And at that point in time, they felt really alone. Like there was nothing, there was no book to help me. There was nothing there for me. So they want to share 
their triumphant stories and even procedures or processes to reach back to the person who's still in that situation, just pull them up, you know, give them a hand up and let them know that they're not alone and also give them, you know, what I said, hope and help and hope their hope they get is from the story that the author tells, Oh, well, they, she did that or he did that. So I can do this. And the help is to actually tell them how to walk out step-by-step of from where you are to get where you want to be. Yeah. 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 And my own personal journey is one of, of traveling through the rooms of recovery, trying to find recovery and sobriety. And I just ate up every book I could find of somebody that had overcome the same problem that I was suffering from. Yeah. Well, we have that in common. I've been sober for 17 years and uh, well, my husband's been sober for 37. So I'm like, I hope I never catch up with you, you know, (laughs) but we know that when we're at the point where we're really broken by our choices and by the escape that, that I chose, which was alcohol, that those around us were lifted us up and helped us set our path you know, our feet on a path that we could walk out of the circumstances that we had created for ourselves. Yeah. Wow. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Sometimes even with all the conversations we've had before this, I find I find things out while we're actually recording. And I think that's amazing. I think that's a, a sign the universe is is, is uh, it telling seems us like to God is bringing things together. Make good things. God is saying make good things. I'm I'm totally with you on that. So what happens to a person when they write a book? I want to start because th- there's there's all the sort of questions about like, what can a book do? And I want to explore yeah. that as well. But what have you found happens to, especially the overcomers when they yeah. when they find the, that process and they find the ability and then they eventually have this book, this thing that they're holding that they're presenting to the world. What happens in that journey? I, I really like that question because something profound really does happen in them. I've worked with a lot of people who have suffered a lot of trauma a lot of times in their childhood. And so they have had to push it all down to try to function in life. And so when they finally get to the point of telling their book, and I'm not going to say that it's not a painful process. The process is simple. The execution can be painful because as they're sharing these things, they're reliving them and But here's the thing that happens. I almost 100% of the time have seen this person emerge like they shucked it all off. They finally got to tell their story their way, their truth, and it no longer has hold of them. They have control of the narrative of their life. And it frees them a lot. I mean, it does. But they also might suffer during the writing because you can't help but write about the things that you've overcome without feeling it again. And right. but but in a lot of ways, it's the last time they feel it that deeply like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. My own experience, I gave a TEDx talk about my journey to sobriety, and it was the most freeing thing I ever did to stand in front of audiences and sort of be vulnerable and share some yeah. of these these deep stories. So you know, I really, it's interesting, really love that. Will, is that, you know, obviously we're both in AA, I guess, and, and it's right. called anonymous. Right. I have never been anonymous about my sobriety. Oh. I want everybody to know. And you know yeah. why? There's a bunch of functional alcoholics walking around who at some t- point in time, 
may hit their bottom and they remember, look at her. She looks like she's got it all together. Maybe I'll ask her for some help or some advice. But I don't ever think we need to, I mean, there's, you know, it's a disease. I wouldn't be ashamed if I had cancer or, you know, something else. And I'm not ashamed of a disease that I inherited, but I, I mean, there's no reason to be ashamed of something you've overcome. You can just be that beacon of light for somebody else. And I'm sure, you know, your listeners' stories are the same way. Absolutely. And do you find, um, Victor Frankl said, one of the ways we find meaning is when we have a redemptive perspective on our suffering. Do you find that all the pain the, the one of the ways it gets redeemed in this in this is in this publishing work that you do and helping people find their voice and their story. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's my pain or their pain or whatever, but I mean, yeah. it's um, I can walk through it with them, and kind of maybe like any kind of a doctor, you have to distance yourself a little bit from the person so that you don't, you know, if you're an empathetic empathetic personality type, you don't want to get drug down into the depths, but I can keep urging them on and telling them what the end game looks like. And I do see a lot of people redeeming their past. I'm working with a gentleman who's pretty prominent right now. And um, the depths of what he went through as a child is I'm, I mean, actually editing some chapters now it is, it's, it's just, it's Mm. wrenching to me. I'm like, oh my gosh. And nobody would ever look at you know, people look <laughs> good on the outside. Sure. <laughs> and so, but when you open yourself and say up and say, look, I have some wounds that I'm healing. Yeah. It it gives other people the freedom to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody looks good on LinkedIn. Yeah. Right. But when you, but when you share, when you share that, that those deep parts of your journey with the world, something powerful happens, doesn't it? It does. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Let's talk about business folks as well, because yeah. that's that second sort of category. What what's what's the power for a business person in writing a book? How do you see what kind of transformation do you see happening there? Yeah, a lot of business people they want to, you know, maybe they've developed something or something. They want to get more exposure, I guess I would say. So, in those types of books, the book should do three things for you. It should establish you as an expert increase your credibility and help you to attract the following. But it's only going to do those things if your book is really, really well done. And that all starts with the writing. And I got to tell you, people, well, they don't do it so much anymore, but people used to all give me their self-published books all the time. And I would think, (laughs) oh oh my gosh, good for you. It's so hard to write a book and you did it. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) please don't give this to anyone else. We got a lot of work to do. When you wanted to increase your credibility, you trashed it. Why didn't you have an outside reader? Why didn't you have a proofreader? You've got mistakes all over. Or they want to increase the font to like 14 points to make it a longer book. And it's just, it's stuff that, you know, anyway, work with professionals is my advice. But in the end, um, I've had a couple clients who have been like public speakers and one of mine was able, was clients was able to increase their speaking fees three times in the first wow. year, simply because he had a book and it was a credible book. Other people want to use their book as like they are, they repeatedly are giving the same information out over and over and over. And, and I see this in a lot of times with financial planners and they want to just have a, a volume that they can give their clients 
you know, that can answer all those questions and such. So, it, you know, it's a variety of things. I want to tell you about one woman I worked with. And if you're, if anybody's watching on video, her, her book is right behind me. It's called What Lurks in the Woods. And she's an MIT brainiac. I mean, she's like this brilliant technological, you know, product developer and such. And so was her husband. But she started noticing that he was changing his personality. And it got to where he couldn't remember the garage code anymore. And then he went on a road trip and he got lost coming home and didn't know where he was. Uh, what does it sound like? It sounds like Alzheimer's, right? Of course. Right. And that's what they diagnosed him with was early Alzheimer's. She never believed that because he was too young and he had no family history, et cetera. So as he, she continued to dig and dig and dig as he got worse and worse and worse, he was finally had to go into a nursing home and then he passed away about a year and a half ago. But what was finally discovered was that what was at the root of it was Lyme disease. And if he had had the medical intervention at the beginning, he would have been fine. So what is she doing now? So now, okay, she's been the voice of, you know, information about tick-borne illnesses. She's been on the Today Show. She's been in USA Today. She started a medical device company to figure out early interventions for tick-borne illnesses. And when she came to me, she just, she just wanted to write the book about her husband. Yeah. yeah, that's powerful. What a powerful story. So how does the process work? Uh, how, do, how do you work with, because I know I've, I've been to enough seminars and seen enough ads on Facebook and all that, that everybody's got some process oh, yeah. and they sometimes seem a little mystical, but you have this clear record of producing books that do yeah. well and do well in the market and, and are well-received. How do you work? Somebody comes to you with an idea, where does it all start? That's exactly where I want them to come with, to me with, is just come with your idea. So yeah. what we do is we start out by you answer a series of foundational questions that are intended to help you crystallize your message. And they are things like, you know, why are you even doing this? What's your motivation? Who is your audience? And how will they specifically be changed as a result of reading your material? So there's 12 of these questions. And so we take the answers and we distill them down into a purpose statement that says the purpose of this book is to do this particular thing for this specific audience, period. And I'll be the first to tell you that you can't put everything you know in a book. So we have to define the landscape of what you're going to address. And that's what your purpose statement does. So when you have that, it now becomes your marching orders. Now your job is to deliver the audience to realize that purpose. So, and it also... That's what helps you prioritize what's going to be in your book. We measure everything against that. With what you're thinking about putting in the book, does it does it do that? Does it help the audience get to the purpose or not? If not, set it aside. You may write more books. <laughs> but from there, we start working through the process of book mapping, which, which is how I developed the process that I developed to help people plan out their book before they start writing. It's not an outline. Outlines are not very friendly. You know, they're just right. paper, scratches on paper. What a book map is, is it's a visual representation of everything that's going to be on your in your book. And so 
There are two types of bookmap, and they are so cleverly named bookmap one and bookmap two. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but the first original. One, yeah, but the first one, the, the next thing I'm going to tell you isn't original either, but the, the way that we first book map is your own personal story. We need to show the readers how you have got to be in this position to be delivering this material to them. And it, it often becomes the introduction to your book, you know, before we get into the meat of it. But you'll recognize this, Will. The story formula we use to tell your story is this, what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now, totally, totally pirated from Alcoholics Anonymous. Sure, sure, yeah. But it works every time, and it is the classic compare and contrast story. So you in your position where you are right now, you didn't used to be here. And if you just think back to what I told you, my story, what it used to be like, I worked for a high-tech company. What happened? My dad died. What it's like now? Now I'm in the position to help people offer hope and help to others simply by telling their stories. So that's your first map. Your second book map consists of many pages, and that's how we plan out your chapters. And there will be one map for every chapter. So we always want to approach it from the viewpoint of the reader. What do they need? What are they looking for? And given that, we construct your chapters in problem solution sets. So the first step is name the problems your audience is having or is likely to have. And then through a very story-driven format, you present your solutions. So when you have one of these maps for every chapter in your introduction, you're now ready to write. And it's been a shortcut Because when you sit down to write, you will never have writer's block. Writer's block is just fiddling around and not knowing what you're supposed to do. You're going to have it there, right there on paper in front of you. And then you can just execute because you've already got everything. Every story you're going to tell, every point you're going to make, it's already there. And then you need to, you know, I'm not saying that it's not work. You have to get your butt in the seat and your fingers on the keyboard. But you're not going to experience writer's block. It'll be just a matter of execution. Yeah. What makes a good story? Like what, what kinds of things when they come across your desk, you're like, Oh, can't wait to, this is, this is an exciting one. I can't wait to get into this. They don't always come to me as a good story, but I like to help the the writer find the good story in it. If it's a difficult story, it needs to have some type of resolution at the end that is satisfactory, that is satisfying. I don't like it when people just write about themselves. <laughs> There's no point, you know, and right. I, I usually make referrals. Oh, I think you'd be great working with <laughs> so-and-so on this. Cause that doesn't have any fire in it for me. Right. It doesn't ring any of my bells. If we're not there to help to extend help to others, then it's really not my type of, of book, but you'd be amazed at how many things fall under this category of save lives, change lives, transform society. We've even done, cookbooks or or like coffee table cookbooks that are about building warmth in your family through entertaining and through the, you know, graces that you offer to your family through celebrations that, that fits under our banner. But what I, I like to do will is I like to talk to people about their ideas and help them find that thing that will really make the impact that they're hoping to make. I love that. I love that. 
how does somebody know they're ready? Like, cause, cause even, even for me in the projects that I've done and in the projects I've thought about, like, how do you, if somebody's listening, <clears throat> they're like, well, I've got a good idea. I don't know. Is it a book? Like, should I, how do I, how do I know when I'm ready to, to turn this thing that's been running around in my head into a book? Yeah. I like to suggest a couple, maybe three ways that people can determine that. And, and it's like, if you've ever thought about writing a book and it's starting and it's in your head and you don't know what to do with it. Right. Yeah. If anybody has told you that you should write a book and it's amazing how many people are told that. And the third is if you have had a transformation in, in your life that has like saved your life, you know, that's another indication. That you can and nobody, I, I have to tell you something, Will, the hardest thing about writing a book is making the decision to get started. There's a lot of fear for most people, and it's the fear of the unknown. Um, some other fears might be, well, like, what if I write this? And, you know, there's people in the book who are my tormentors and such. And and we have ways of handling that. If we need to mask identities, we can do that. There's just a lot of fear around it. And part of my job as your coach is to be your cheerleader and to show you how it's going to be all right and to show you how you can do it. So I say to people, I say, just let's just jump in. This is chunked in a tiny bits. Let's just do this first thing. And then now let's do this next week. And now let's do this. And, you know, at the end of the year, if they do all those little things, they have a finished book manuscript. Yeah. Yeah. You do enough things over, over a week, over a year, and you eventually have a finished product. Yeah. And under your guidance, that becomes something of, of value. Yeah. And the other thing um, too is that we work in, in mastermind groups. I work with people one-on-one, but also in mastermind groups of groups of no more than five. So you have this cohort who are also doing that hard thing you're doing and you go through it together. So you have a lot of support and accountability while during the process. Yeah, you you beat me to the question. Like, what are the different ways you can work with mm-hmm. with somebody who who is ready to write a book? They think they've got a story that's compelling, or some business idea that is yeah. cohesive enough to to come together. How how what are the different ways you interact? Yeah, with so I got I work with people on a one to one basis where we develop all those maps together, and then they'll write a chapter and send it to me, and I edit it while they're writing the next chapter. The most popular way is these group masterminds that I just mentioned, and so what happens is. You log in to the client portal on my website and every week for a year, there's going to be a video lesson training that you do. There will be things to download and follow along with, and you'll have homework every week. And so once a week, our cohort is on a mastermind call for an hour where we talk about what you did that week. And it allows you to vet your ideas with other people. And they're in the same position as you. They're unsure themselves and they've never done it before, but it's amazing the camaraderie that develops between these books and how interesting it is that how often people have the shared nugget in their book. You know, it just, I don't know, it's uncanny. It's crazy. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun and you have a lot of handholding. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, my own experience, not just in recovery, but in other things is sometimes I need somebody else to believe in me until I can do that myself. And having, having a group that that's committed to you and to your journey, I think could be really powerful. Yeah, it it is. It's very helpful. That's great. 
What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making before they get to you? I think you mentioned one, but I'd love to hear you. Like, what are what are some of the pitfalls to avoid? Yeah, I think one of them is they start writing without any kind of a plan. You know, they just start writing, writing and dumping stuff out. And then, you know, they come to me and they've got this. It's just a mess. There's no structure to it. And the most important thing about your book is its structure. That's why we map that all out first. I would say another thing is not believing in their story enough. And I had one, I had one gentleman who, you know, I was talking, he never did write his book, but you know, he had an amazing story. I mean, he had overcome a lot and then through the power of his faith, things were transformed, et cetera. And he's like, and people have almost like this false modesty, I would say, Will. And he's like, well, who am I to read, you know, who am I to write a book, you know? And I don't know, I think this was from God, but what popped out of my mouth was, who are you to keep it to yourself? We are here to help others. We are not here to have experiences that we just float around on. And I didn't mean to come on so strong. Like I said, he never wrote his book. (laughs) So maybe it was too much for him. But I'm like, seriously, don't keep your story to yourself. Release it, let it out into the world where it can do its work. Yeah. Yeah. And offer the power of hope and help through your story, your story of redemption, your story of overcoming. Yeah. Very powerful. Speaking of stories, what are some of your success stories? I'd love to hear like a couple of the books that maybe people struggled to get out or some of the big, big successes in the market. Yeah. So I told you about Nicole Bell's book, What Lurks in the Woods. Another one that we recently published is called God's Plan, Our Circus. And it was written by a gentleman, Clay Boatwright from Dallas. And he had three daughters. One of them, the oldest daughter was, you know, bright and bubbly and everything. But the two twin daughters that were born two or three years after her were severely autistic and not they're nonverbal. And so they're in their 20s now. But he wrote his book about, you know, the circus of their life and how this was really God's plan for their life. But they, you know, he's got a pretty amazing it's like a volunteer career in this world of autism research and support. So he was named by President Obama on the President's Council for Disabilities and, you know, worked to craft some legislation that would obviously he's advocating for his daughters and those others who have disabilities. And so unfortunately, while they were working and trying to, you know, it's it's a never-changing scene when you have special needs children, but his wife died. And so then he was on his own trying to manage this and he's done beautifully. And I got to tell you something, never complained, never negative, never, oh, woe is me or what am I going to do or anything like that. He just, it's like, he'd be a man. He stood up and he took hold of his family and he said, I'm going to do the best I can for all of my girls. And it's, it's pretty amazing. He's a, you know, become that voice of hope and help. And he's now through his book, helping other parents who have disabled children navigate the services and things that they can get for their children. So that was powerful story. What about from the business books? Any, anything that really stands out like a, one of the business books that you're like, wow, that has been a really powerful contribution to the world. Yeah, I think it was in 2019, we published the book CEO Tools 2.0 by Jim Canfield. And so Jim 
is a Vistage speaker. And if you're not familiar with that, that's a group of CEOs who come together once a month and, you know, I don't know what they do. <laughs> they make their business better together, I guess, but they have yeah. high power. It's, it's a business mastermind group. Yep. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So you they have speakers at every meeting and Jim is was a Vistage speaker. So I think he ended up selling 10 or 20,000 copies of his book. Wow. To these CEOs, because it's it's the step-by-step guide to how to grow your business and get yourself out of it so that it can run itself through other people. And and that one has been highly successful. That's powerful. What if somebody comes to you and they're like, well, I'm not sure if I want to write this book or that book. Maybe it's more like a few books or a series. Like, can you help them yeah, sort of absolutely. think their way so through like- that? Yeah. And that's not unusual. People think I'm thinking about a couple of things and I always ask them, which one has the most energy behind it? Which one, when you think about it, you get most excited about? Let's start there. Because sometimes people think, well, there's this book I have to write. When I'm done with that one, I'm going to do the one I want. And I'm like, nope, let's do the one you want. Let's do the one that wants to be written, that's ready to emerge from you. And you mentioned something about series of books. I'm working with several authors who are doing book series. And this would be something that could be really attractive to someone who's, let's say, a financial planner. You know, they have different audiences. And I told you that we have to define your audience, but financial planners have, you know, young investors, you know, young families, people who are getting ready to retire, retirees, all that. And so I have people like that who are writing a series of books to those different audiences and it's under the same brand name. Okay. I love that. I love that. I don't necessarily need you to tell us the specific cost, but like how expensive is it is? Cause, cause I've looked at I'll some tell of you, these. I'll tell you exactly the expense. Oh, okay, so the mastermind is $375 for 12 months and you get, okay. you know, all these weekly videos and my time and your, a lot of instruction and handholding. In between the publishing and the writing course sits professional editing. And your book has to be professionally edited before it can go out to the market. So we do that as well. And the charge for that is $15 a page right now at the time of this recording. And then we are a professional publishing house, Stonebrook Publishing. And that is not self-publishing. Is being published by a publisher. So anybody who goes through our step-by-step process, we will publish your book because we know the quality of the, the work that you've done. Other people, we publish a lot of other people's nonfiction books too, but they have to go through a vetting process that you know is not automatic by any means. Um, but the cost to publish your book is $7,500. And before that takes your breath away, I want you to know that that we do an outstanding job. We have most many of our books win awards, but there's a lot more involved in it than you realize. Publishing is a very old industry. There are a lot of conventions and backdoor things that you don't know about that we do for you. So we start off by simultaneously designing your book cover and proofreading your manuscript. Now, the manuscript goes through three different proofreaders. Your book cover design, you will. we work with you very closely on it, and you're going to get 
at least four original book cover designs. And you'll pick one that you like the best. And then we tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and tweak it to make it exactly what you want. And we and then after that, another design team comes into play to do the layout and the interior design of your book. And if you haven't noticed book interiors, pick up some books. They're different. They're all different. And you may never have noticed that before, but we take some of those design elements from your cover and carry them through the interior design to make it a cohesive, consistent product. Anyway, we print a proof copy. You send it. We send it to you. I read everything that goes out the door before it does because I nitpick to death everything. Right. And then our legal team does the work to register your copyright with the Library of Congress so that your intellectual property is protected under your name. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And that's something you're not going to get in a self-published book. When I was at, when I you taught in the college classrooms. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even know to do the things that we do. There's, and there's no. a whole nother catalog called books in print that self-publishers don't have access right. to, but right. libraries order from, you know, so right. there's, you know, yeah. I used to teach a research methods class and there's a book by a guy named Mortimer Van Adler called How to Read a Book. And I used to use that and I would actually walk my students literally through how to read a book. Why is an index there? Why is a table of, con- you know, how do all those things work? So brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. What's so one of our last questions, I'd love to know, like, what's, what's the difference between what, what would somebody gain by working with a professional publisher over the self-publishing process? Well, I've, you, you mentioned some of the, the details. I, did. I mentioned of it, but... some of the things, the editing, the, the proofreading, the design. If you want to create a professional product, you need to use people who are professionals in that industry to do it. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, well, my sister is a graphic artist and she'll do the cover or, you know, we'll just, they don't know anything about layout or Anyway, that's, you know, it's the ability to put out the best possible product with your um, input and and guidance along the way. Well, the other thing I didn't mention is that there's a lot of opportunity after the book is published. And because we create your chapters in problem solution sets, when you're finished, your book can become the launch pad to distribute your ideas through multiple venues. You should be able to take every chapter out of your book because it solves one problem. Every chapter solves a problem and create seminars or workshops or keynote speeches or online courses or, you know, video training and to, to, you know, have other revenue streams other than than just the book. So that you kind of appear like you're everywhere all the time with the same consistent message. And I don't know anybody else, anybody else in the entire industry who does that. And so we like to encourage our our authors to expand beyond just the written word. I love that. Now, if somebody's listening, I'm going to have a big final question to in just a minute. But if somebody's listening, they're like, this is it. This is now I found the answer for how I'm going to put my book together. How do they get a hold of you? Well, I want to tell you that if you think this is it, you're right. This is it. <laughs> this is it. So all you have to do, it's so easy. Go to the website, thebookprofessor.com. Across the top navigation is a link that says schedule a call with Nancy. And it'll take you to my calendar and you pick a time and we jump on Zoom and we 
talk about your ideas. And I, I invite you, I mean, if you're just trying to figure out if you have a good idea, schedule yeah. a call with me because I can help you vet those things. Yeah. So I want to end on a really big question. And it's one I've been playing around with lately. And I, I really like it because when I have people on like you, so you do a thing, it's tactical, but it's you have a much bigger view on what you're doing. You want to save lives, change lives, transform society. So I want you to imagine that a lot of influential people are listening and they really catch on to the idea of helping people tell their stories, helping them own their stories, helping them tell their stories in a way that offers hope and help to the world. And now imagine 40, we're 40 years into that and people have been doing that for 40 years. How do you imagine the world would be changed? I mean, can you imagine a world where you didn't have to learn life lessons yourself? Mm. You could pick it up through the experience of others. I mean, can you imagine a world where the pain and suffering that you're experiencing now could be exacerbated by feeling not alone? I mean, I, you know, I just, I don't think we'll ever stop having problems, but I think that they can be exacerbated by being in community with others. And that's what a book allows you to do. You may never know this person. You will never know these people, as a matter of fact. But to have that kind of influence and the the use of your experience to improve things for others is, I don't know, I think it's what we're here for. Nancy Erickson, thank you for bringing your gifts to this audience. Super excited to share your message with the world. Thank you so much, Will.